0: The Being Forces Friendly Podcast, a monthly podcast where we sit down with experts from the armed forces, government and business to discuss engaging with defence and the mutual benefits that come from it. Welcome
1: everyone this morning uh, to here, Holden's House, which is the home of uh, Defence Relationship Management. And, um, and it's really good to see you here today and specifically what we're going to look at today is um, is build on um, a discussion which really seems to be out there at the moment which is what is a veteran uh, and specifically as we go through we might do a little bit of myth busting for those that are listening you know w- w- what is it that a veteran really is what does veteran really mean and also on top of that you know what do you think about the, the, the term veteran uh, of which uh, w- of which I'm one um, and I um, I think that's probably enough for me. It'd be really good if we just go around the table, and if you could just introduce who you are, a little bit about you and your background, and the organisation you're currently with. I think that would
2: be um, that'd be that'd be really useful. So, um, hello everyone. Hi. My name is Paul uh, I am from an organisation called Knife Down Gloves Up. It's a grassroots um, initiative. The idea is to to get the kids from from the streets um, to stop tackle tackle the uh, knife crime. And it's social behavior within the local communities um how i'm doing that is with boxing so just trying to get the the, the youths into the boxing gyms not, and it's not necessarily just the box it's literally a safe place for them to come uh, and train and, uh, and exercise and then the idea going forward is, is is to build centers where they will come in they'll go to the gym downstairs come up and, uh, and do some education upstairs and, and then. That's yes, just yeah. quite holistic, you know, it's the whole yeah, package approach. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it wasn't. It was a real small, tight knit thing at first, um, but it, 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 it's grown uh, sort of beyond. Well, how many? How many of? The, is it just you? you it's a, just you're, me. You're no, it's man, just me. It's just me. It was, uh, it was, just me. Uh, it was gonna, as I say, it was going to start off a real small thing in Hackney, um, and then it's just really snowballed. So it's just. Well, I turn you over to you. That sounds fantastic. So, and, and you're you're a veteran. Yes, I, would, I uh, was in the Royal Marines. Uh, come out in two thousand eight, after five years. Uh, okay. Yeah. And what have
1: you? Have you done anything else since two thousand eight? Alongside Yeah. This? So, so the
2: idea. I, I I joined up late. I joined up at twenty seven, um, because, again, going back to the the sort of knife down gloves up, I started to realise that my background resonates with a lot of the youths of today, from the point where. Um, my mum and dad split up, we lived in Hackney, in, in, in a block of flats. I got expelled from school for violence and um, ended up getting stabbed, uh, thankfully it wasn't too serious. Uh, Yourself you were stabbed, aren't you? Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, wow. yeah. okay. Um, and then when I got to about the age of sort of 20, not till about 25, I had a few mates who was in the Marines, they said, why don't you give it a go and, and I thought, right, let me go in. So the idea was to do minimum time, done just over mm-hmm. that. And, uh, and then I come out of there and I ended up going straight into private security, the sort of mm-hmm. usual route. I went out to Iraq for a year, um, done that. And then from there, I started the anti-piracy, sort of crossed over straight away, done that for three years. And then it, uh, it really, you know, obviously at that time when I'd done it, I, I started uh, the private security, I think 2009, and then I'd done that for a year, 2010 to two, uh, for three years. The anti-piracy side of things and it was really good money then so it, it really yeah. served its purpose. it was like a, a college sort of university course for me yeah um and um and then it transitioned into in, into the into the you know, personal training and something that i've done all, all, all the time and um and then i've got a gym and and, and i'm running a gym alongside what i'm doing okay. with knife down gloves up so
1: yeah, that. So when you look at, I mean, when I mean, you know, so when you look at, you know, skills, you've you, you've taken sort of life experience, yes. skills that you've gained, experiences that you had, transferred that, and now yeah. you're giving back.
2: Yeah, that, well, on yeah. the back of it, and, which is, and, and, which and is I great. Think, well, I have literally zero qualifications, you know, and um, you're not. And I, you know, I do wish you know, I do wish that I would have been able to uh, to to do it because I do think it's important. Um, I really do, but I think that the life skills that you know um, that you gain, common sense, and you don't, you can't get them in a qualification. You know, so it, it, I suppose it balances it out. Yeah. Um,
0: well, cool, I'm, that's I'm really
1: interesting, Thanks. Myself. No, that's really good. A really good scene setter. Um,
2: I'm
0: not Michelle. sure how we can follow that. That was, <laughs> <laughs> that was a really amazing, quite inspiring story about how you've just followed a path and doing such amazing, and positive
2: it, it, stuff. It's, it's done, it's, really, it wasn't really until I sort of started writing things down that was like,
1: Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, yeah you wrote your st- yeah, you sort yeah. of writing your story. Yeah, it up.
2: was, and it was only yeah. the, 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 the really making me realise there's a bit of a story there, and, yeah. you know, it just helps, i go into schools as well. Is um, this you telling
1: us there's a book in the, in the office, uh, is that
2: is Yeah, yeah. story. <laughs> uh, no. um, yeah.
0: No, not at all. (laughs) That's fascinating to hear. So my name is Michelle Osborne. Um, I'm the head of Emerging Talent. So we can perhaps have a conversation about that because we do a lot of work with young people around um, broadening the horizons around financial services. Um, And I also run military veterans affairs for um, Europe, region and Middle East. Uh, And I work for J.P. Morgan. And those people who aren't aware of J.P. Morgan, it's um, one of the biggest investment banks in the world. It's got 250,000 people in 60 countries. So a real proper corporate global organisation. But with that comes some real benefits in terms of its size and scale and reach. And we are an American investment bank. So when we talk about veterans, yeah. um, the American attitude and approach to veterans is, is very concreted into their society and into their psyche. So, from our CEO Jamie Diamond down, the support for veterans within our firm is phenomenal. So, just a, on a global scale, um, mainly in the U.S., J.P. Morgan has hired fourteen thousand veterans since two thousand and eleven. Wow. It has gifted a thousand mortgage-free homes to veterans that don't have the means to provide their own. It's supported thousands of veterans starting their businesses is, yeah. yeah i mean yeah. It, it's like proper big scale yeah. stuff and they set up also something called the veterans jobs mission which brings together 250 companies with the initial aim of providing jobs for a hundred thousand vets and that was smashed that target in america was smashed within i think six months yeah. and then our chairman james diamond being the way he is he said it's got to be one million and so that they're on the road <laughs> to that and i think they've they've reached about a 500 000 target But where I fit in is that um, a lot of the veterans' employment that was happening in J.P. Morgan in the U.K., it was happening, but it was all being done by well-meaning volunteers as a side desk activity. And it was almost a victim of its own success because it had grown so big that it got too big for the volunteers that were running it. So they employed me um, direct from my service career. So I spent 23 years in the Royal Air Force, finishing up in the Ministry of Defence, having done... A whole host of different jobs as i was i say 13 jobs in eight different countries <laughs> so like a, a real broad career and i was able to go into jp morgan and maybe bring a perception um, of how they could move their veterans affairs efforts forward in the uk and it's been i've been there two years and i'm delighted to say that on monday we are welcome, welcoming 50 service leavers to our military transition program Brilliant. And that's um that's from all ranks. So for example, we've got it in four locations London, Bournemouth, Edinburgh, Glasgow. In Bournemouth, twenty five percent of the intake are, are women from the forces, twenty forty-five uh, percent are from the ranks. So it's not on an office officer heavy sport, and that is a perception yeah. I think that we need to t- talk about in terms of F- FS. Um and really that's all about um and you know, Jacko, you were speaking about you know, some of um, the perceptions about veterans, and we're yeah. very much about providing meaningful opportunities, employment opportunities, and I stress the word meaningful, giving people the option for a meaningful second career um, with us. I think so,
1: it's a really interesting observation as well about the officer and the other rank piece. Yeah. I think in the financial services as well, but you know, in consultants, I think there are certain roles where perhaps a lot of um, uh, those who uh, you know did. Twenty odd years, got to you know good senior senior levels um, mm-hmm. uh, as a soldier rather than an officer, who maybe discount certain areas of employment, whereas actually the skill set mm-hmm. they've got they could really fire into that.
0: And I would absolutely echo that. Um, so I've got a fantastic role model in a chap called Michael O'Keffe, and CTP were very very supportive to him, but he was told I think by an officer in his regiment whatever it was you can't go into financial services, Michael, JP Morgan wouldn't want someone like you. And he came along to our insight. He was corporal and he interviewed, he did really well. He's got a great role. He's in the operations division, absolutely doing brilliantly. And actually what I find is that we have great success placing people and it's nothing to do with rank. It's to do with attitude. It's to do with willingness to learn, willingness to maybe drop some of the baggage around rank and, you know, Mm status and anyone who comes to us with the right attitude um and in an interest you know you've got to have an interest and in being authentic about that they do really really well last year we we hired a, a corporal from the intelligence um corps who came in as a vice president so really wow. sort of blowing away some of the perceptions that you've got to be an officer and have achieved from a certain regiment and achieved a certain level within the forces. So we've worked very hard um, to make ourselves accessible um, and delighted to open up um, the Glasgow and Edinburgh mm. programmes this year as well.
1: Fantastic. Thanks Michelle, no, really interesting. You um, and, um, and Des.
3: Nice to meet you. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, Thanks for having us this morning. Um, my name is Des Fraser. I'm the co-founder of uh, Combat Pest Control, which is the gold award win from the um, Employer Recognition Scheme. Yep um and also the co-founder of declassified uh, the podcast and the CIC that it's forming now so my background was um eight years in the Royal Engineers uh, from 2000 when I was 16 years of age, young boy um got out so i become a veteran for a year and then um <laughs> decided that I was going to join the reserves and then done selection with two free SAS done a third seven years and now I am a veteran yeah but yeah in complete support and it's you know, listen to Paul's story there, actually identifies what a veteran is for me, and it's that post-traumatic growth. All the life experiences from my childhood, which was quite rough. Council of State on the Wirral, um, Birkenhead, really, really rough. Um, loads of violence, quite horrendous at, at times, but then escaped, joined the army. Um, left, identified straight away as a veteran. Not as a victim, like what what the mentality was a little bit back then, but that that seems to have completely uh, disappeared, which is really good. Um, And then pushed on, as I say, went on to um, private security, again, anti piracy, uh, close protection, really good in the days, probably the best job I've ever had, to be fair. (laughs) Tanned, loaded, really good, Uh, be stressed. Um, But yeah, and now, as I say, we employ veterans and we support them in in the best way we can. and you know the links that you guys have, have, have given us so far have been phenomenal and then the mentorship as well from from the bigger business that uh the sign the armed forces colonists I'll, I'll mention Sedexo as a prime example when we got our gold award that day I met a guy called Mark Seastrom used to be the CEO straight away said But well, I'll come on as a non-exec on, on the company and the, the link then with the massive business to small business yeah was um Instrumental in mine and Mike's um, growth, we combat and then into the classified podcast.
1: Fantastic, I, I think that's a really, good, you know, it's a really good point. That I think the way I look at the employer recognition scheme, actually, it's um, yes, it's a means of um, the Ministry of Defence saying thank you to those who've signed up to the Armed Forces Covenant and advocate and do really good stuff for the Armed Forces community, uh, but also it's a network. It's a network yeah. of networks, uh, bringing similarly minded people together to have those discussions and then, you know, any benefit that can come from that I think is, uh, I think is fantastic. So that's uh, that's interesting to hear. I think, if I may, just really quickly on, I mentioned the Armed Forces community, is just to sort of outline who, who that is from our from our perspective. Um, I touched on it briefly before um, before we um, went live. But for us, the Armed Forces community uh, it is, it is it, I imagine it as a bit of an hourglass, if you really, and the top of the hourglass is that Armed Forces um, community, which is, it is um, service leavers, and traditionally we we classify that as those who are in their last 6 months of service and then 2 years after service which is pretty much what the career transition partnership ctp looks at as a as a window uh, but then naturally what we what we're sort of going on to talk about and I've already covered some really good areas in in veterans so anyone anyone that that considers themselves a veteran which um, the definition as at today is after one day's of uh, training, um, then they're classified as a veteran. We might come back to what we think about uh, about that. Um, reservists as well, um, wounded injured and sick, cadet force out of volunteers, and the partners and spouses of all of them. So that's the armed forces community that my organization, Defence Relationship Management, seeks to support <coughs> and provide um, some benefit to under the auspice of the Armed Forces Covenant, which is about disadvantage, i.e. removing disadvantage, as opposed to providing um, adv- advantage. Mm. And, um, and then the hourglass, if they're sat on the top of the hourglass, I like to see defense management as the, the, the bit in the middle to help then facilitate them connecting into um, any employer. And I, yeah. I do mean that any employer, yeah. be that public, Um, public sector, private sector, um, or, or third sector, or whoever, anyone that's employing. And it's not about us getting people jobs. We're not a recruitment arm, but what we are, we're about helping facilitate the understanding of what the transferable skills and what sort of person that armed forces community is comprised of and the real benefits that 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 cohort in the bottom sector of the, the Atlas can really can really get from it and um, so thanks for everyone for the introduction some fascinating background uh, um, and I think a you know a really good um, breadth of experience that we can draw on and um, I, I, I you don't want to listen to me talking incessantly so I just want to sort of throw, throw something out there and um, to, to, to um, maybe Michelle for you to start and um, when you transitioned out of the military and um, did you immediately? And I'm just picking up. I've got Des's phrase in the back. You know, over my, you know, a veteran, not a victim, as it were. But, um, the, how did you find that process? But more importantly, did you say, well, I'm a veteran now. You know, sort of leave leave the service on a Friday, on Saturday. Are you a veteran? Was that something you actively considered?
0: So. The transition for me, I mean, I made the decision to leave the Royal Air Force not because I was in any way embittered with it. I had an amazing time and it was fantastic to me. But I got to a point where I think I'd achieved what I wanted to achieve. Um, and I felt if I, if I hadn't left when I did, so I left at um, 42, um, if I hadn't left then, I probably would have stayed my entire career, yeah. and I just had that little inkling of interest about what was out there in the big wide <laughs> world. So it was a very conscious, deliberate decision to leave, and I planned it. And I had the benefit of being in the Ministry of Defence, so in London, and I made networking and resettlement a job, okay. and I think that was really, really important. And I had an honest conversation with my air marshal, who Gary Tunnickley, who was. Um, assistant chief of the defence staff personnel at the time Mm. and he was super supportive because I said to him you know I've got to make a good job of this and I think that's really important that when someone's leaving the the service that they have that accommodation with Mm. with their boss I always hear from people I worked up to like five o'clock on my last day and I was literally typing emails as I walked out the door you know you have to really put energy into it so I didn't find the transition um difficult in like psychologically speaking were there like moments where i doubted myself absolutely i remember saying to my my husband do you think i'm going to ever get a job (laughs) and Mm -hmm. i had my backup plan which was selling cheese in oakham which is our local town but you know joking aside you know i of course there was moments of doubt but i think you know what the forces teaches you is to have personal and mental resilience and if you have got experience to draw on and that's what supported me in terms of identifying as a veteran, I think I did because of the role I was going to. So I was the head of military veterans affairs. You know, so difficult um, not to. And really. I spent you know my first six months going yeah. around introducing myself to the great and the good in J.P. Morgan. Hello, yeah. my name is Michelle. I've just left the Royal Air Force. You know, and I'm the head yeah. of military veterans affairs. So I'm you know I'm probably a sort of special case in that, and that my my day job revolves around veterans affairs and the discussion and the debate and the context around that but um interesting yeah okay
1: yeah. no thanks Michelle. paul what about yourself
0: do you, you know? um yeah I, as i say
2: i, do I you call I, um, yourself a veteran now i probably do actually and I, and I and i think i as silly as it sounds i really started to call myself a veteran when i got my little veteran oh yeah i wear I, it yeah i only wear it obviously with um with, you know remembrance but yeah. i wear it with great pride um, and there is I only do, you know I joined up obviously 27 really late so to me I you know I'd had my sort of younger years and everything and so when I when I left when I left the, the Marines it wasn't a massive shock to me you know like, no it was literally a right. Well, I've left now yeah well, okay right, well, now I've got to go and, and, and find a job you know I've done I've done that time for you know, the, the, the security, yeah. like, now it's time to to find find the job. And it, no, I never really, up until, I don't know, the last five years probably, that I thought, well, I'm a veteran. Yeah. Because, you know, like we're going to discuss today, there is that, you know, that myth where, you know, as a veteran, you're, you're, you're like, oh, oh man, yeah. you know, walking with a, a stick and, you know, it's oh, <laughs> bless him. Look, he, you know,
0: been in the army.
2: Yeah, you, you know, you know it's, and, and like you say, you, you know, to me, I I was unaware that one day of training, one day of training, yeah. make you a veteran. Yeah, you, you know, you, you, some of the lads, the who, who young youngsters, in they can start at sixteen, their time doesn't start to eighteen. So they, they can come out. You know, if they yeah. if they came out of the the military at twenty two years of age, they're a veteran. It's just like. You know, it is it's yeah. an interesting phrase, isn't
1: it? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, do, do you? I mean, would do you? So the way I often describe it is, is: when I meet people, new people, not necessarily business, you know, socially or whatever, uh, and, and they say, "Oh, you know, what do you what do you do?" And uh, and I'm, I'm not that many people say to me, "Oh, I'm a veteran." Mm. Um, quite yeah. a few people say. I'm, I used to serve or I'm ex-forces because or... I think
2: if you say you're a veteran straight away straight away it says to me oh you're retired <laughs> that's, that's what yeah, it says you know it says, yeah. it says yeah. to me yeah, right, you retired there's real around and, yeah, that term yeah. whereas yeah. in
0: whereas in America veteran is a term that everybody understands yeah. Yeah. from someone like you say is 22 mm. up
3: to yeah when retired yeah. So so when i left i was nowhere near as prepared as michelle to be oh, fair <laughs> so that was like, but Don't although, sound I, like did, I did plan on leaving <laughs> so it was like it was perfect timing for me to leave the royal engineers at the time yeah um but I, yeah so the first the first part to come out the way i identified as a veteran was i was so proud of of where the um what i've done since i was 16 years of age yeah. so so I did wear that veteran, like you know, like pump up chest, if you like, when I went into job interviews and stuff like that. I was quite. Um, it was the first thing on my CV. Obviously, that yeah. was the only real job job um, experience I had. But but yeah, so that I did for that for that 12 months, I was completely yeah. I'm a veteran, uh, this is what I need to do. This I, and 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 I sort of built my profile around that, trying yeah. to get jobs, which was was key, I think. Um, however, I was still missing it. And I think due to being, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, and I, or I was I was I sold only kit on the day I left, and I said never join back up. And then when twelve months, I'm I'm on selection <laughs> buying kit again. But then the, even the industries I went to was more like private security and stuff like that. They're so quite
0: associated. Yeah. So it's only when
3: I've yeah. left now, like two three, is where now I I advocate veteran empl- employment because I remember when I was like when I was young. Um, I felt really proud that, I, you know, I had that um, resilience from the training that I'd been given mm. been yeah. and it was key then to anything that I was going to undertake going into the, in, in, That's why it set me, me own company up was was massive, I'd never done any, no entrepreneurial experience whatsoever. But the resilience, I remember going back to basic training and going on a run and they're saying, get your, get your upper up here. So that even that little bit like um, leadership at, at a real junior rank, I could, yeah inexperienced soldier if you like then it just progressed all the way through and right the way to the end of the military career so that's why, even now i identify as a yeah. veteran because that sort of growth that i've had in such a short space of time bodes well the resilience and everything else going into business going into job interviews already because I, I think one of the
1: challenges is is um, if it's not veteran what word do we use? So um, we
0: use the term, so I deliberately, in the UK, not in, when I'm talking to an American audience, I use the term service lever. Okay. Um, and our programme's called the Military Transition Programme, not the veterans. So everything yeah. with branding in America is veterans programme, okay. well, but we use service lever um, yeah. to, because as well, we're very international. Yeah. Um, so it's not just UK people, we have... People in Bank Street in our headquarters, is in Canary Wharf, and you're in the lift, and there's every language under the sun, you know, because yeah. we bring people from all over the world to come and work. So it's a very international community. So we have to use a term that people can understand. Yeah,
1: okay. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, it's interesting, because, you know, I could, don't suppose I, you <laughs> know, I,
1: I didn't declare my hand, I don't think, at the start. So, you know, i 20, t- 23 years um, in the army. And I think um, I do end up saying to a lot of people, I, I used to be in the army, yeah, which yeah, is quite yeah. tribal in a way, yeah, because yeah. you know you would say yeah. I used to be in the navy, I used to be in the Royal Marines, yeah. I used to. Be. Whereas um, I, I don't, I mean, I'm I'm comfortable with the phrase veteran because I don't think there is an alternative, and I think it is mm. it's individual choice, and I think maybe we get a bit hung up on 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 do we need to do we need to come yeah. up with something different, and you know, uh, but I think it's more about. But it's using opportunities like this to try and not educate, that's probably a bit, you know, it's probably a bit arrogant to say that, but to afford people the opportunity to have a listen to, mm-hmm. four veterans around a table, um, saying what they think and what they feel about that phrase. Well, that's why I use it. And
3: yeah. I'm quite like positive in using it because yeah. then it just, it changes people's perception. Yeah. Right? So they say then, like, you know, I'm 37 now, you see a, a guy who's quite fit, quite ambitious, quite, quite you know, eager to get things done. And then they're like, ah, okay, so it's not this um, perception of of an older guy. So we do a lot of work internally
0: exactly on that. So we have something called the Veterans Business Resource Group. So it's basically an employee experience group. Anyone can join the vets um, group. So when I arrived, people had a perception of the vets group being quite push army officers, you know, nice nice drinks uh, events. And we did a series of events over a two year period to myth bust around what yeah. a vet was. And so we did some partnerships with Women on the Move where I got a serving group captain, fast Fastjet um, Navigator to come in and talk about her experience of being a woman, a mum of two, reaching the rank of Air Commodore, she's phenomenal. Um, and then we did a partnership with Pride where we brought uh, two trans- serving transgender personnel in to talk yeah. about that experience. And people in the bank were like, I had no idea yeah. that you know, the armed forces were so diverse mm. and had such a great approach to it. Yeah. And that's taking oh. us a long time to inculcate that internally. Yeah. But I'll just say one point we might turn the conversation somewhere yeah. interesting. I'll be very, I'm, I'm watching quite closely to what happens with the Office of Veterans Affairs. Yes. Because I think it's a great political intent that mm. has been shown there. And it's a great opportunity, I think, in terms of public policy. And I'd love to understand what, you know these guys think about how we can influence the policy because the big struggle that we have is that we see veterans as absolute talent acquisition it's a pipeline yeah. um, to hire them but it, whereas in america there is a legal obligation on firms to hire veterans over a certain size we don't necessarily have yeah. that in the uk no. so all the signatories of yeah. the, the corporate covenant yeah. you know is there something that's then actually mandating that they move towards that? Do we need that as a society? Would that yeah. be helpful? And would it actually create veteran talent as, you know, cement it as... Yeah. Um, I think that's interesting. I, I'm a,
1: if I can start just on Quillian, I'll yeah. throw it over to, to, to Paul and Dez as well. But uh, I, I think um, I think it needs to be thought through really carefully. I think for us, one of the real advantages of, uh, of those who... Um, opt to sign up to the Armed Forces Covenant. They make pledges. Mm -hmm. Um, But we don't police those pledges and legislation might take you down a road that you look at, uh, okay, well, you know, we're now going to hold your feet to it. And I think actually that might take away some of the, almost like the voluntary ethos um, behind those that, that, um, that sign up. Uh, and f- for the Covenant to really advocate for the Armed Forces community I was talking about before. But I agree with you entirely. The Office for Veterans Affairs, I think it's fantastic that that has stood up. It's going to be really interesting to see. The really good thing about the Office for Veterans Affairs, from my perspective, is, is that they've housed it within the Cabinet Office.
0: Mm. Yeah,
1: yeah. And the Cabinet Office has the opportunity to really and um, spread that message across all government departments is much broader than just the ministry of defense and i think that's really potentially really powerful because of course the covenant you know my team looks after really the employer engagement side of the covenant but um, i mean i i'm a simple person so i like mnemonics you know sort of the we, which is uh, a yeah. you know it's welfare employment education housing and health okay. they're all the key components of what the armed forces covenant yeah. is about we're just one strand that, that contributes to that, and I think the Office of Veterans Affairs is going to look right across that particular um, spectrum, uh, and and it needs to work. I think really close. I mean, Paul, with the, you know, with the third sector, mm-hmm. um, uh, because I think that's where uh, it's amazing the number of veterans uh, who are doing really good stuff, like 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 you mm-hmm. are. So um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's an interesting point, isn't it? I think I think,
3: okay. I think it's awesome that it's here now. Yeah. I, I, me personally we can always wish for this to have happened 10 years ago but it hasn't it's happened yeah. now I think what we've got to show is a little uh, having Johnny Mercer on the podcast on Declassified yeah. and Helen Halliwell um, yeah. and um, Glenn, Hel- Glenn Horton as well Yeah, yeah. Um, it's given me such an insight on, on, on how fast they're actually moving but people want it yesterday,
0: yeah.
3: And and we've just got to give be a little bit more patient when it comes to that. But I think the fact that it's here now, I don't think legislation to employ people because I think you yeah. take away the value of what what a veteran is for me. But. Little bit of patience, and then really highlight what we have to offer as a yeah. as a community, which yeah. I think you know is, is a really well supported
1: community. Considering, I agree. Yeah. I mean, there. Paul, have you even have you heard of the Office of Veterans Affairs? No, you, I haven't. No, see, because no, that's the other interesting angle, isn't it? You know, yeah, I, I, you know how how it's been how it's landed with um, with veterans. I think the, the last figure um, is that there are around about um, two and a half million veterans. Yeah, uh, you know, in the UK, and that that's a Pretty good percentage mm. of UK, you know, society, yeah. um, and yet, um, you know, listening to what yeah. you, you know, what, what you've been describing, actually, the Office for Veterans Affairs and the work that it's going to do with the third sector is probably, probably really, really important.
0: I'd love to see them look outwards as well, and I know yeah. they're in formation period, and yeah. you know, they've probably got a huge yeah. um, doing a bit of discovery, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But th- well, when we were at the Gold Alumni Association and the group of companies. There was a lot of received wisdom in in that room, yeah. and there's probably a lot that employers can help government with in terms of policy development and the Ministry of Defence with policy development to make service leavers and veterans' journeys into um, employment maybe a bit smoother. And yeah. you know, there's all kinds of things about you know, starting your resettlement pretty much from the day you start the service rather than leaving it to the last 12 months or the last two years and think, oh, what's going on? (laughs) You know, so I think there's a real opportunity there for when they get more mature and, you know, they've got a bit more of a mandate is to actually use the employers to help inform some of the policies rather than just... I think yeah, so. I mean, I think it'll be
1: interesting to see. I think what they're, I think, I mean, I can't speak for um, them, but you know, your understanding, Paul, of what it is that they do, I think, mm-hmm. is is really important. So I think they need to reach out yeah. Um, yeah. to you because that. That breaks it down because I, I just wanted to, um, if I if I could, just um, quote the veteran strategy. So, back in um, late December 2018, um, the veteran strategy was um, released by the Ministry of Defence, and it's a, it's a cracking read for anyone listening in. It's a, it's available on gov.uk, and so uh, it's worth having worth having a look at. But just a quote from that: it says, "Leaving the armed forces and its associated camaraderie and sense of purpose can create a challenge." For some, in establishing new relationships within civilian societies, and and for some that that being that being veterans, and I, I do sometimes wonder if that is um, if that's you know that challenge is misunderstood by the general public and is focused around things like you know the challenge oh it's mental health or it is a physical injury or or something. But I mean, Paul, you've really integrated back into your home in society environment. You're really giving. Giving some, something back.
2: Did you find that a challenge? Having left left the military. To be honest, I think because I left because I started so late, it was really easy for me. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm I, you know, I left I left now. I left in 2008. I'm 44 now. And I still, I must admit, I still struggle with aspects of civilian life. And and that's why I've I've even to this day, I've sort of half been. talked into it but thinking about going into into the reserves Um, and um, are you you involved with any sort of uh,
1: veterans associations or you know the Royal Marine um, charities in any way or you know do you get
2: back with people that you served with still um, only rugby and that took about 10 years to set up to get um, (laughs) our troop um, to get to, to to get together but I've just started working along, sort of working with the um, down at Raw Marines reserves, and in formed a a sort a boxing partnership. Okay. And I sort of just sort of stumbled across that through something else because I'm trying to with these the, 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 the kids, sorry, the youth, uh, the young people who are going through the um, youth the of, youth offending programs, etc. I am trying to get them. I don't want to say too much because I don't know what to listening who's going to nick my idea but, <laughs> so I, I part of it was and, and, and going down to rmr london and, and, and seeing someone down there and, and it turns out that the, the, the CEO down there you know we had a good chat and he's going to help me hopefully getting in rope to what i want to do and, and part of that he sort of wrote me into the boxing partnership with Putney on rowan turn and and, and and it's tied in really well with um part of what i do is called off the streets which is i get People from uh, local communities to go into the amateur boxing clubs, yeah. but the amateur boxing clubs have to sign up to my program. It's totally free, but what they have to do is they have to guarantee two hours free um, entrance to, to the the young people within the community who aren't actually members already. Um, do you
1: have, do you advertise your, your 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 sort of previous service? As part of that, do you, say, um, do you sort of sell yourself no, as ex-war no. Marine who's delivering this? I mean, do you use that no, as a do, tag at
2: all? Or? No, do you know what? I, I, I run a gym um, and, I, and I really want it to, it to be a standalone thing. Okay. Um, I didn't want people thinking that he's using this to fund his gym or, or advertise his gym. i kept it totally separate until today. It's, it, it's now just, I'm having to tie it all in together. Dad, I mean, it's interesting that there's something that Paul just said, um, but uh, and
1: picking up a link that you that you mentioned earlier about you, you. said I'm a real veteran now, having done some regular service, a bit of yeah. a gap, then reserves. And it's interesting because I wonder how many reserves consider themselves a veteran when they finish their reserve service. So you clearly did. So you were really comfortable making. Yeah. Them.
3: So for for, for me, um, it, it it just felt like it was done, but it's probably not so like there's, a, there's a no other scope for me to join the reserves at the later days when it's less busy but yeah I, I felt, felt like um I, I could relax on that there was no I'm not chasing anything to do with the military now I feel really comfortable where I am and where the direction I need to go don't get me wrong it's as I say i am never saying never because I'll probably will join back up the reserves at some point because it's such a great organization yeah. but going back to what you were saying then about um you know around the, the feel of like what sort of mental health um people have come, come out with I, I found that a lot well there's not many people that suffer from PTSD either but leaving the military but in society as a whole there's all this we're struggling with mental fitness yeah. Yeah. and that's it that's a it's a myth that needs to be because <laughs> there's not no many. I think you're
1: right I mean it's interesting I've got uh, I've got some 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 data that sort of supports that and interesting, interestingly enough. Um, you know, uh, non mod but also some mod reports, um, state that probably, uh, uh, the percentage of those who are veterans who, uh, have um, some form of uh, mental uh, health uh, issue, yeah, is no different from the average percentage mm-hmm. across, the, across the UK. And yet, as you say, you know, a lot of people they say, oh, right, you, you know, you're in the forces, yeah, and then it, it, it's it's not. It doesn't turn to a positive narrative about. Oh right, so you're you've got those skills and you've yeah. got this. It's like. A, oh right, did you serve abroad? That's usually the first question I always get asked. You know, did you go to Afghanistan or Iraq? And you say, yeah, I did, did did that. Yeah. Okay, you know. Were you shot at? Yeah, Yeah. yeah, okay, you you have that thing. Did you kill anyone? And it was all that (laughs) sort of thing. You're going, okay, there you go. And then, but it does often transition into the discussion, you know, well, are you, you know, do you think that you've got some sort of, you know, have you got PTSD? And people don't really understand what PTSD Mm. means, but also they link it to military.
3: Well, it's definitely not a mental health problem either. It's, It's a memory problem. So when anyone, like you could be walking down the street, you see a car accident, that trauma your brain literally starves of oxygen i think it's the left hand side of the frontal lobe don't quote me on that but dr (laughs) Um, it from. yeah yeah (laughs) so uh, so and it's just a memory problem so basically a filing cabinet really nicely neat um paperwork and then all of a sudden load of paperwork chucked in the top needs to be filed so it's about then maybe sitting down with someone having a conversation Mm -hmm. and just filing away those memories that you've that you've witnessed and then that, that you know you, you can live a, a normal life like I have suffered from PTSD in the past and you, like I, that's something I definitely don't identify as yeah like, I, oh I've got PTSD no it's not because mm-hmm. I had it and if it comes back through memories or anything through nightmares I just I sit down with a the therapist and I talk about it that's what's key about like now I think the military is actually exceeding normal civilian life because we're aware of it we're yeah. so aware and mm. there's so many well, yeah, you mentioned Glenn health.
1: Horton, who's the senior enlisted um, advisor yeah. to the Chiefs of Staff Committee. So he's yeah. the most senior soldier across the Army, Navy and the Air Force. Yeah. And he's the Armed Forces Mental Health Champion. He and is. the stuff he's doing to, to exactly as you just said, to to, to, to let people know, do you know what, the Armed Forces, you know, we're hitting this way. head on. So actually the negative narrative of uh, everyone's got a problem if you've been in the military, the military I think have done a you know pretty good job of, uh, of saying... Well, we don't think that's true, but anyway, let's do something about we the percentage
3: are, we've got. Yeah, we are absolutely leading the way. When you look at like ambulance services, don't have the networks and, and, mm. and the um, support that we have. The police, um, normal civilian life doesn't. I know the NHS is brilliant, um, but it takes a little, lot longer to get seen to and help. And then you've got what we call post-traumatic growth. Now, there's guys who I've spoken to, um, Dave Henson, just to name one, um, Double amputee. He's now uh, done his PhD in bio uh, yeah, mechanics, yeah. and he's he's going on to, to Africa to to help children over there who who've suffered from similar um, injuries with mines and stuff. And then you've got David Wiseman, got shot in the chest, and and then goes on to be um well, he set up the Invictus Games with Prince Harry, and you know he's such a remarkable person, and and that sort of growth from being really well someone's some really struggling to get into that point is is remarkable and that's testament to the military community uh, and for me I, I i it's definitely not a negative it's always a positive that growth now we're seeing more and more and i just we need to raise up other
1: emergency services in my I, and i think it's a it's a really good link into you know if i may sort of steer the conversation um towards skills yeah. because actually being able to deliver the sort of things you're talking about like Dave Does for Invictus you know you can't just do that it's not just in you yeah, to yeah. be able to start organizing things you mentioned I think the phrase resilience earlier yeah. and it was interesting I was at the um, Deloitte veterans debate which was a phenomenal debate a really good cross section of people but I started writing down every time someone said a skill that they thought emergency the had and I was running out of paper yep. where to write it and and it was there was a lot of things that um, I've often been described as soft skills, things like self discipline, um, you know, loyalty. Key. or you just you've been picking up on some of them before, um, camaraderie, all those things, fitting in. But I think converting that to commercial best practice, it's a lot of things like you know, people um, go into roles, they pick things up a bit quicker because they they come from a learning culture, so they're ready, they're adaptable, they're flexible, and 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 it's interesting that um, you know. I, Certainly, I always used to think, and I still have people that I meet, say, yeah, yeah, but if you come from the army, you just shout a lot. And you know, <laughs> probably the volume on, on this is, is about right. Because um, that is such an old perception of oh, the yeah. skills that, that that military people um, bring. And Now, Nichelle, you're perfectly placed to maybe yeah. give a view on that in terms of, 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 of where your business sure. looks for that skill set.
0: So we deliberately don't call them soft skills and this is copyright J.P. Morgan, we, <laughs> we call them anchor skills because we believe that is the, I mean. the bedrock of, yeah. of... So we can teach someone about FX, we can teach someone about bonds and derivatives and capital markets and acquisition and mergers. Um, but what a lot of our hiring managers play back to us is that when they have a service lever join their team, um, they bring a level of experience and a diversity of thoughts and a cognitive diversity that they might not have in a team that might have had a very similar experience. So teams you know, all come through a graduate pathway and have all had very similar backgrounds and the service lever brings that real freshness of perspective. But we also major on the ability to assimilate information, adapt to new environments, being able to make decisions under pressure, maybe without all the information, actually owning a decision that is massive in the commercial world you know standing by your decision explaining your logic and seeing things through to completion Um, that's you know that's where our service levers do well and normally with a hiring manager they might be a little bit hesitant because on paper they've got one cv that's full of financial services stuff and then on another cv they've got someone who's a hoofing royal marine (laughs) and they're like oh i don't get it so like my job is to help them translate that and to give them the confidence that that individual is a source of talent and what i tend to find is that once one hiring once the hiring manager's gone down that path we had a it actually was a Royal Marine we, we brought in as a direct hire. And like he phoned me up and said, I want another 10 like him, please. Yeah. yeah you know? So our service leavers are going into the firm and creating their own narrative and they're creating right. their own positivity. And my job is almost like internal business development. And we're expanding into areas that we haven't before. Um, and we're getting more and more of our businesses online with this. Um, so we are able to place veterans, not just in, you know, the you know, the roles that you would think like compliance and risk and security and operations, but in banking, in yeah. the corporate banking, the commercial bank, in investment yeah. banking, investment um, banking. And it's it's just doing really well. So how how is sure.
2: that? And how is that sort of that transition? Are the you, match. You, because it's, yeah. I'm, I'm going to step back a little bit. And, and uh, the, the, the mental health is, is a massive thing right now. Um,
0: do you, do you not think yeah. So you think what is, I'm going to
3: come in on that one is is we're looking at mental health as if that, okay, that's the same as a broken leg. It's not, so mm. for you, if you don't train all the time, you have poor physical fitness. Mm. If you don't train your mind, so if you're not getting your, a good amount of sleep, if you're not eating the right nutrition, if you're not, um, like we do a lot of cold that's water fun. therapy, exercise, mm. we do uh, meditation, um, mindfulness, um, yoga, all these things will, will build you up more resilience yeah. for when, you know the, the the inevitable happens in life where it takes a bit of a turn for the worst mm. whereas if you're not training for that and you are keeping quiet and you, you're isolating yourself on it when it hits you you don't have that resilience so it is a massive topic but it should be yeah. and and it's only, the only reason why it is now is because we're so outdated with it
1: yeah.
3: and the way we look at it, it it's not an injury yeah. like mental health yeah. is yeah. the yeah. same yeah. as physical health and it's
1: interesting, isn't it? You know about the team. It's being around people that you know. You know, so you know. so Paul, your piece about bringing, you know, um, bringing these uh, uh, kids together into a place where they can talk about stuff, yeah. but also yeah. learn from people like yourself who've yeah. who've got fantastic experience and story to tell, and say, do you know what? It, you can you can get real good and positive at of this. I think it's um, yeah, it's it's really. It's, I, I just think that a team bit because of course combat pest control. Does. Yeah. I mean, you, you you employ. Is it just veteran? I mean, not exclusively, but I think you know. It, no, it, to be fair, it,
3: it is like the, okay. the demographic graphic we've got. We've got reservists, got veterans, and we've got a spouse as well. And the, the the key thing I find is into working interdependently. So we all work remotely. Um, So Amy is the executive um, assistant. Now she, because her her husband's still serving an officer, she travels around all the time. So to hold down a job where she actually goes into an office will be virtually impossible because every two years, well, with with, with her husband, even a little bit quicker, it's, it's impossible to to do. And then all our vans and our guys got a couple of Royal Marines, uh, Royal engineers, we've got, uh, as I say, two infantry reservists, one of them's on ops at the minute actually um they 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 just there's, there's just this they know they're part of a team yeah. however we trust them 100 to make the decisions the ownership of 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 each decision that they yeah, do on the ground that they, they, they they're, they're quite open if they need any assistance they're not you know it's, oh well what will they think if we ask this no no the, the silly question is not to ask and then straight away they're, they're in uh, that interdependently The way of working is unbelievable for me. I think that's
2: that. And going back a little bit, it's with with what I've found, and even such a short period of time in the military, I just find that, you know, and I'm I'm very, I try to be this way. Problem solution, yeah,
1: you know, yeah, I'm it's
2: really key to be that. There you go, the sk- skills yeah. in
1: motion.
0: <laughs> I think for a lot of our service leavers, and when they join our program, we have a week long orientation because you know, just walking into JP Morgan's <laughs> Bank Street Dauntum. with 8,000 people is it you know, yeah. it's probably not super fair just to drop people in at the deep end. So, we run this orientation and we do stuff around personal resilience, yeah, um, and we do stuff around personal branding. But one of the things I say to everybody is you're going to be on a very blended team and you're going to have like these super smart graduates working with you all double quant maths in from Oxford or Cambridge and you know but you've got your own you've got your own skill set that you can contribute and if you didn't you wouldn't be here but it's it's to never underestimate you know someone based on you know their background or you know yeah. where they've come mm. from and you know we have the most amazing blended teams and i think sometimes service levers maybe are looking for a bit more of that identity about where the decision's being made who's the boss where it flows but in a very matrix complex yeah. organization it might be the junior associate that's the key holder yeah not the managing director yeah so we have to do a lot of work around that so that whole point yeah. about making decisions it's understanding that it doesn't always start at the top yeah that's really good
1: i think that's great hey everyone that's been a great discussion thank you so much i mean if i if i i suppose as a as a closer if i were to ask you if there was if there was one thing that you would like someone listening to this uh, podcast to take away in terms of their understanding of a veteran there's what might that be that sort of key message about you know uh, not necessarily a veteran is but what what you know what um,
3: it's a, it's a tough one uh, with regards to so from for me um, the understanding that you're going to get someone who is physically and mentally resilient um, yeah. when you can give them tasks it's it's going to be met with the same zealous as as, as anything yeah. else um, yeah and and. You know a lot of it, the veterans are proud to, to, to be given opportunities as well, yeah. and then they'll take them with both hands. Yeah, interesting. Paul, <laughs> I
2: would have probably said the same, yeah, that's uh, uh, yeah. well, what Des would say. There's there's no competition. competition, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Michelle,
0: what do you So, it's, it's the answer particular? I give to all my business leaders um, that veterans are good for business bottom line yeah. so we're not doing this because it's philanthropic or it's a corporate social responsibility requirement we're in this employment talent acquisition market yeah. because veterans prove time and time again that they add real value and benefit and um, Jamie Diamond says veterans are good for business and he wouldn't say that if he didn't actually mean it so yeah. they can add huge value to any organisation uh,
1: yeah I think it would be unfair if I didn't I, from, to my mind it is phenomenally skilled people you've just got to sometimes tease it out of them uh, as to what those uh, what those skills are. But uh, listen, that's been fantastic. Paul Cavanaugh from, uh, from uh, Knives Down, Gloves Up. Michelle Osborne from J.P. Morgan. And Des Fraser from Combat Pest Control. I'd like to thank you all for your time today. I think it's been a, you know, a fascinating discussion. And uh, hopefully uh, if anyone wishes to engage on that, we'll, we'll push this out across various social digital media platforms and, and feel free to, um, to, to help join that debate. But uh, it's um, goodbye from four veterans uh, from the uh, Defence Relationship Management um, podcast Being Forces Friendly. Thanks again.
0: If you don't want to miss out on next month's episode, then hit the subscribe button. And if you have any questions for us or want to know more, you can contact us on Twitter at DRM underscore support. Thank you very much for listening.